Hello, all you beautiful light-filled souls. My name is Daniel Lovett, host of Sozo Talk Radio, and you're about to listen to an interview I had with Peter Panagore, who has had two near-death experiences and many mystical encounters with God along the way. And this introduction of Peter was written by Michael, one of our patrons on patreon.com. Thank you so much for your support, Michael. And if you'd like to support this broadcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash reflect worship. We do put out music uh, right now on a monthly basis, free download for all of our patrons of some of our studio recordings that we were, were releasing. So here's the introduction written by Michael. Peter is a United Church of Christ minister in Maine and was a spiritual moment speaker on Maine public radio. He was raised Greek Orthodox and Roman Catholic in his first NDE following hypothermia in an ice mountain adventure mishap. He was in an illumined darkness out of body and saw all directions like a spiritual eye. He saw his whole life, including sins, but the divine was with him the whole time, reassuring him that God already knew his faults and humanity. Grace embraced him. I love that. He was 10,000 times bigger than, than when embodied and saw every life, every person, and understood them. He saw his whole life as a created soul, including a segmented trail that were other simultaneous lives. Interesting. But Peter focuses on how to live a life of love and live in the now. He practices yoga and knows his chakras intimately. He says he doesn't need to believe in God. He knows and continually experiences God. He serves as a Christian, but sees the divine in every creature. I do too. He wishes to awaken everyone to their own mysticism, their own relationship to the divine. Peter and I also talk about and discuss that we're here to be the light of the world. And I, in fact, I just had a dream about that. I was shown uh, people lit up with the, the glory of God, with the love of Jesus. And I saw them on planes, you know, traveling to Europe and then starting this fire. The, the, the fire that Jesus said he longed to see ignited in the world. And it's happening now. It's happening in this great awakening that we're in the midst of. Um, perhaps you've been experiencing a dark night of the soul. Well, guess what? The night gets darkest before the dawning of the new day. And that's what's happening now. We're waking up to who Christ Jesus really truly is and who we are in him, our identity in him and our identity as him. That's the most brilliant part. We talk about that in this episode with Peter Pettigore. Enjoy. All you beautiful, light-filled souls, uh, my name is Daniel Lovett, host of Sozo Talk Radio, and on the line here I've got Peter Panagor, who is a near-death experiencer and also a minister, and uh, so Peter, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing wonderfully, Daniel. I hope you are too. I am. 
It's been a it's been a good day, and uh, we have it lessons for each day, right? That we get to tune into and mm -hmm. um, you know progress along our soul's journey one step further, and uh, until we leave and make the big leap. Yeah, and so you've had you know some some jump starts along the way with some you know near death experience, yeah. and uh, have you had more than one? I've had two. Uh, and multiple uh, mystical experiences. Yeah, what they call mm -hmm. like STEs, spiritually transformative experiences. They do. I, I, I lean a little more toward the classical uh, mystical unitive experience language of yeah. the Western mystics. But yes, in, in the modern times, we call them STEs. Well, I love your lingo because I actually have a, a, a Facebook page called The Christian Mystic. And I am all mm -hmm. about that. Um, the mystical experience of God that we can experience him for ourselves, mm -hmm. uh, get coached by him. You know, the, as the scripture says, we have an anointing that teaches us like the, the Christ, mm -hmm. um, Christ consciousness. Um, how do you mm -hmm. feel about that term? What does that term mean to you? Like Christ consciousness? I've had to grow into it. Um, yeah. But after I, after I died, I came back, I was raised Greek Orthodox and Roman Catholic, went to Catholic high school. Um, and then I died and came back without religion and um, no faith, no belief, no doubt, understanding of that the divine is real. And I was adrift in the culture and in the world. And I needed to contextualize my experience for myself and, con uh, and conceptualize it. So I went to divinity school, got a, a master's in mysticism and um, began my direction into Christianity of a culture of my upbringing in uh, society and so the uh, the idea of Christ consciousness I come back to the it's a way of talking about being immersed in the divine that is repulsive to some Christians and acceptable to others and limited always in its language no matter what we call it and so I'm, I'm happy with the Christ consciousness language but as a metaphor yeah uh, as a metaphor you know, and I had, I too had a spiritually transformative experience or a mystical encounter with the divine about six months ago. And they told me, uh, the host of heaven uh, were coaching me and they told me, we speak to you in metaphor. It's the best way for us to communicate spiritual truths to you. And this mm -hmm. is why Jesus told stories and, mm -hmm. and they, they kind of tell stories too. And really uh, what isn't a story at the end of the day, you know, when he, um, He's making it all up like, well, God, the, the, the totality of God is creating yeah. all things. And we're, it's, it's a creation. It's like, it's like a novel. It's he's making <laughs> it up as he goes along. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and so are we, we get to create too. You know what? I, I just got to tell you this, Peter, like today I was just praying, you know, and I pray this from time to time, like, what would you have me do today? You know, to God. And he's like, well, what do you want to do? Like, quit looking to us to live your life it's a good lesson like you, it, how inappropriate would it be for some other entity to dictate to you how you should live your life like when you know it's your life to make really and your choices to make and what do you want to do with your life what do you want to create so i've been creating music lately and i'm writing a book as well called the christian mystic oh that's good i'm glad to hear it yeah. tell me more yeah, The Christian Mystic is a, a book really about encounters with, with Jesus, um, largely. It does entail 
uh, the, the, ch the chapter I was working on the hardest and longest um, that I really want to get right is a chapter about our oneness with God, mm. you know, and uh, how, you know, highlighting what Jesus spoke in John chapter 10, referencing Psalm 82, 6, you know, that I say, you are Elohim, you know, all of you are sons of the most high God. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's been that's been a, a big thing I've been talking about a lot lately. Other other things I'm unpacking um, in there is just my my visionary experiences and my own encounters with Jesus throughout my life. You know, um, since childhood, and uh, aimed to help others along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of people will be inspired and touched and connected. Um, to our champion Jesus, you know, who, who uh, embodied <laughs> that anointing uh, perfectly and brought us, brought us all home, you know, um, to, uh, in our own minds, <laughs> to, because we, that's, where the, that's where the whole disconnect happened, you know, um, yeah. enemies in our minds, the scripture says, but I'm just Our brain is in our way. Yeah, your head is the only thing in your way. That's a line from a song I, I played today at a concert. Uh, oh, well, it's true, you know. Yeah, that's what that's what meditative life is all about. That's what contemplation is all about: is the elimination of false self in order to free the mind to encounter the divine directly. Yeah, and so I was going to ask you. One of my questions for you was like, what are some of your spiritual practices, and yeah, uh, to to do that. To kind of get out of your own headspace and connect with the divine in a mystical way. Uh, well, I practice two basic forms. I practice Kundalini yoga, and I practice uh, centering prayer. And I don't know if your viewers are familiar with centering prayer. It comes out of St. Joseph's Abbey, uh, Trappist Monastery. Ring a bell, Thomas Keating. Oh, I'll certainly be looking up that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's okay. So, so anyway, it, it, what it is, is, uh, so like, I don't know how many years ago, 40 years ago, this Trappist Abbey outside of Austin, where they make jellies and jams for a living on 2000 acres of beautiful land, uh, the stone, like French looking monastery, they started, they brought in uh, TM teachers and they brought in Sasaki Roshi, Zen master, and they studied the practice of meditation in, in order to re- invigorate their own practice of spirituality based in the rule of Benedict. And so they developed Thomas Keating and uh, Basil Pemington and Theophane Boyd developed Centering Prayer. And Centering Prayer is kind of a mashup of these things. And they ring the bell to you? Yeah, I've, I've heard of Richard Rohr. Uh, yeah, he's, he's in the, yes, yes, exactly. So it's that school of meditative prayer that when I was a senior at a Catholic boys' school, like two towns away from the Abbey, one of the monks taught a retreat weekend, and my religion teacher went my senior year, and he came back, and he taught us one spring day before graduation, and I, I took to it and been practicing since 77. And so here's, here's my basic practice, and this is the basic practice. There's other aspects to it, which is, you know, close my eyes, shut off my phone, be in a dark room, feet on the floor, hands on my lap, spine erect without effort on my back, and using my breath um, from my third eye to my, sac my uh, second chakra, I think it's the sacral chakra, I breathe the Jesus prayer, 
um, from, from Mount Athos, um, either just the name Jesus or Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me as sinner. And I breathe that uh, with intent and focus um, in order to grab control of my mind uh, by using my mind as the tool to quiet my own mind uh, and kind of the jujitsu of the brain and use it against itself, use the tools that it has against itself to quiet it down, which um, creates neural pathways because the more you practice these kind of things, the, they create more neural pathways and uh, create a space inside myself of quietude. And so my, my daily practice is the pursuit, uh, I, I, ca I, can, I call it the, the polishing of my lens. I polish my lens or I empty myself or I practice my quietude. And I'm not, I don't ask God for stuff. I'm not interested in gaining wealth like some famous American TV preachers in the prosperity gospel. I don't think that the gifts of God are monetary or material. I think that um, they are spiritual. And when you, when you pursue heaven first above all things, see Kevin first above all things, um, you get all things added unto you. And that is, I've been doing this 40 years, and that totally works. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I do in my prayer life is Kundalini and I use my same technique and my yoga forms to focus in on my chakras in order to open up my channels wider. Um, hey, you know, what's really amazing is that, uh, this, this is kind of right up the alley of, of a lot of things God's shown me over the years. Like one, one dream in particular, I was like in a mental hospital looking out these bars and I see this huge huge uh, picture along like you know this giant of a, of a guy in a meditative pose and the chakra lights going up through the form of this man but it was all clouded and dark and you know brambles and darkness and sudden you know was blocking everything from from flowing they're very dim right but then this wind came in and blew it all away and all these lights just whoosh, you know lit up and then there's this you know energy flow right the toroidal field of your spirit it was amazing and then at that same moment i'm seeing that happen my door of my mental hospital swings wide open i step out and i'm like a superhero you know all just decked out and ready to go and then my crew shows up it was just amazing and you yeah. think there's any metaphor and symbol in that dream <laughs> <laughs> oh sure you know and and even even after my my experience my vision about six months ago like i, I felt like Today's the day. This is this is happening to me. That dream is happening to me, and I'm getting lit up. And I, and it's been this process of even working with Jesus. Like He's the one who would like, hey, let's work on your red chakra. And I just sob because it's like that's where you feel safe, right? I, we need to feel safe. <laughs> sure. And so, and, and then he just worked the way up, and then we got to the heart, you know. And then he wants to. It was just amazing. I'm working with Jesus to work on chakra stuff, and and he like. They even told me about Zen too. They're like, "Hey, check out Zen." There's something. Zen's to cool. There's something to Zen. There's definitely something to Zen, and there's something to to work in your chakras because the I came to it. And now this will help your viewers a little bit. I came to it because I died and I came back and I, I was taking a mime class uh, as an undergraduate, and my teacher's teacher's teacher was Marcel Marceau, who practiced Hatha yoga. And so every mime class began with yoga. And in the middle of the, one of the stretching sessions, the teacher says, I know I want you to put your hand down around your second chakra 
and, and hold the energy there, feel the energy and move it out to the palm of your hand. And it was like, oh yeah, I feel that. And once I felt that, I realized, because um, I was reading Pramahansa Yogananda, Autobiography of a Yogi at the same time, I realized that, that I might be able to kind of push the process along a little bit if I learned to find my chakras and move my flow open by moving my mind between my chakras, open the channel of flow so that the wind is more able to blow through me because that there is the grace of God that comes blasting in like a, like an explosion of lightning that can sweep through you and illuminate you for a period of time before you dull down again. Um, you don't need to practice any of these forms to have that happen, but it helps. Yeah. And it helps for a lot of, I think the religious community, this is kind of the tribe that I've, come from, you know, you come from, that for them to just open their minds and not just judge things point blank and say, oh, yoga, that's of the devil. Those positions, you're worshiping the devil doing that little uh, I heard that a whole bunch. I heard that a whole bunch. I, 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 when I, it was ni 1983, I was practicing yoga in the basement of the Divinity School Library. Mm -hmm. I got kicked out. I got kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, just for the day, but for the week, I think I got kicked out for the week. You know what? I have this wonderful memory. I was doing P90X, and part of their program in P90X is they have a yoga one. And then it goes for like an hour and a half, right? And so I, I was doing this, and I just felt awesome. I must, <laughs> I don't know, release some sort of energy, whatever. But it was like, it was like awesome, you know? It's super physical fitness. Yeah. But also the one of the things I uh, this is just my opinion, um, but when yoga came to the United States and became popularized, it became self-realization about my being self-realized, hmm. as opposed to being uh, with a less with a little s, and instead of being self-realized with a capital S, which is the divine, the Atman, um, and yoga is really about uh, aligning with the Atman, with with the divine, with Yahweh, with the Havye Vavye, whatever form you want to frame that language in the unspeakable ineffable yeah. um, and and the practices that practices don't get handed down if they if they don't work yeah they get handed down because they work um, and that's why there's long traditions of mystical practice going back centuries because you know, nope nobody uses the hammer if the hammer doesn't work yeah that's amazing i love it you know one one of my Friends, I, I mentioned this uh, in another interview too. Um, this guy named Nathan Wheeler, he has a channel called Truth Me Free. He did yoga for like several hours and Jesus descended through the ceiling and just gave him a big hug and he just wept for hours. <laughs> just <laughs> soaking it, you know, just a lot of inner healing happening through uh, through these, you know, we're, it's like us reaching out for God and, you know, he reaches right back. Yes, the seekers... The one you seek seeks you. I, I had I had a I had a transcendent experience as in the midst of yoga more than once. One, yeah. and so that it, I'm just confirming that uh, it's a reaching out and it can it happens. It's amazing. Yeah, I'd love to hear about some of your experiences too. I I don't know anything about your second near death experience. I will have in the link in the description below a link to your first one where you uh, you you. Uh, you basically froze to death kind of situation. I, froze, right? I did. Yep. 
Yeah. And then you, you had a, you, you said you were a sphere of consciousness that came out of your body and there you were in the astral realm or whatever, right? Beyond, beyond the astral realm in in the place of non-being, uh, timelessness and and unity of all eternity was, was, I was immersed in eternity. Uh, I was uh, still a differentiated individual but I wasn't really Peter. Peter was this vague memory that kind of clung to the, the edges of the truth of my existence, which was self-evident that I was this orb of consciousness long before I put into this mortal coil. Yeah. And that it, and this is just the place I live for now, which is a crushing small place compared to the expansive size of the truer me. Um, yeah. I... <laughs> Wow. One night I did have a, a dream. I'm sorry, I'm going on and on about my own experiences, but it, Oh, no, relate. it's good. I can well, relate. it's good. That's, it's totally good. Yeah. And so I, I did have this experience where I'm like, I'm like seeking God. I was praying on my couch and I, I think I heard this voice say, come up here. And what my, my spirit did in my body was curl up into a sphere of consciousness in my head. So I, I kind of get that, you know, and of course I've, I've studied a lot of near death experiences and I would, I'd be curious to hear what this is a question that came to mind curious to hear what you'd say to people who are just like so curious they're searching all these near-death experiences they want to learn more what would you say to a person like that because i was one of them yeah i just thought i just wondered i I would say well i what i say to everybody is that um you can have as much book knowledge as you possibly can and still miss the miss the, the train uh, it's it's not really about knowing about uh, people people study near death experience and mystical experiences because they gain knowledge. I studied them too. I mean, I, I, I did a grad degree in it, and so I totally get the idea of gain, of gaining knowledge. But knowledge is secondary to the experience. Yeah. If, and if you're gonna if you only have so much time in your life, um, meditation, a meditation practice, a prayer practice, a, a polishing of the lens, a looking inward matters more than all the knowledge you're ever going to get in a book or a video. Now, then that being said, uh, lots of people find a lot of hope by watching near-death experiencers because near-death experiencers are, they're, we're convicted. You know, I don't, I don't believe in the afterlife. I know the afterlife is real. And as a result of knowing that I, the afterlife is real, I live my life in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. I, I, I live unafraid of death. I, I live boldly. Um, and I make choices in my daily life that uh, reflect my uh, my spiritual values more than my earthly values. Sure, I you know I, I have my I love to I love expensive sports. I love to ski. I like to sail. But you know what I love more is connecting with the divine mm-hmm. more than anything and more than anything else. And so what I say to near people who are seeking. Uh, whether they're looking at near-death experiences or anywhere else, is find a practice because the real the real avenue to uh, heaven is within. And if you really want God, that's where you need to go. Um, and love thy neighbor as thyself, and love God above all things. Yeah. Because because that's all one thing. It's talk about Trinity. Huh. That's the that's the Trinity, right there. Um, you love God, you love your neighbor, you love your neighbor, you love yourself, you love yourself, you love your neighbor. It's like this round and round robin. It goes okay. round and round and round. Ultimately, it's all the same. You know, we're, it is. All, we're all one. God is all and in all. And I was just telling people today, to love your neighbor is to love yourself. Yes. And if we can start exactly. seeing that, oh, how beautiful the world would be. This is heaven on earth, you know? And yeah. Yes. 
really love is a funny thing though yeah love love is difficult you know because when i was in high school i had two girlfriends two girls liked me and i loved them both but i had to pick one and i picked one to love and in my love for the one i hurt the other so in a real world level it's a little more difficult than we like to admit but it's still the only avenue that everybody has access to spiritually inborn in us is to love is to love our babies our parents our friends mm -hmm. yes wow thank you for sharing that um you know you talked about seeing a door that was kind of interesting to me metaphor too. it's all metaphor. metaphor yeah it's all metaphor right that's something was presented to you. And it's, I think it's going to be different for everyone who experiences. They'll have different metaphors, you know? They have different metaphors. Well, part of it is, is the context of your, of your brain, the culture and the language uh, that you come back into. So when, when I went into this, this uh, experiential realm of non-being, I had no being and there were no things. And when I came back, I had a soul memory of my experience that had no context here. And so I had to contextualize it in the concepts that were available to me here in order to think about it, in order to ponder it and process it. Uh, my soul understood it because the soul gets knowledge that the brain can't comprehend. It's always kind of just beyond reach. But, you, but I grasp for it anyway. I reach to understand so that I can live my life in a more balanced way so yes a door i've called it a door i've called it a portal um the gate um any sort of opening rending but it wasn't like a an oak door with with brass hinges or like uh a, a round circle through which spock and uh captain kirk ran through to go to another dimension it, uh, it's a little more like that but none of those things are accurate it's always only metaphor Right. Yes. Um, I loved how, you know, you're, you're hearing from God there too. Um, this so, soundless, voiceless, genderless, the voice inside me and all around me and enveloping, enveloping me. And uh, I was only, it was only a whisper to me, but it was too loud for me to hear any louder. It was at the maximum level of my capacity. Everything that happened there was at the maximum level of my capacity. And it was just a drop for the divine, but it was 10 bazillion times greater than anything I could contain here in this world. Yeah, and that love too, experiencing that. What was that like? Oh, it's uh, unimaginable, unimaginably healing to know that one is that safe and always has been that safe and that nothing can hurt you ever. And even though there are sufferings and pains here, all of that is washed away in this love that knows no bounds and that is beyond comprehension. I, I understood that the love that I could perceive, which is a bazillion times a bazillion greater than any love I've ever experienced here, was only the edge of it. So, so the greatest amount that was that was comprehensible to me was just the beginning of it, and and there was that much love for every single human being. Every every being is beloved, partic in particular and known in particular, and no being is missed or lost or unloved. And it's like I was the special. It's like I was the special child. I was like the the one that was loved the most. Only 
that's true of everybody. Everybody's the special child. Everybody's the one who's loved the most. Yeah, kind of like how William Paul Young in The Shack, he, he, he put it this way, you know, Papa would say, I'm especially fond of you. And yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and when it's said to every single person, it's still true. It's this paradox that it's that because in our world, if I'm if you if I if you're my fondest, Daniel, then you're at the pinnacle of my affection, and that makes you particular and special to the exclusion of others. But that's not true in death. It's true that you're my fondest in particular, the one above all, but everybody's above all which is hard for us to grasp because there's a, then there's this leveling and we're like, well, then I'm the same as that person. Well, yes, but everybody's special in that. So it's this and that at the same time. And that's the truth of heaven in general. It's these things that we separate um, and can't put together here are totally oneness there. Yeah. Like love, like love, joy, beauty, adoration, hope, truth, knowledge, understanding, wisdom, comprehension, bliss, paradise. Um, they're all one thing. Isn't they're not in love and light. They're not separate there. They're not like, here's the love. Here's the light. There's the beauty. Let's talk about each one separately. It's all oneness of being. Uh, and, but to talk about it, we have to separate it out because here we have all these different concepts for those things. We're in a particular construct here of this very dense metaphor we call reality. Uh, right. Kind of work through and, and our, you know, and learn the lessons line upon line, precept upon precept, um, you know, so as not to overwhelm us, you know, and, and so that we can progress without our doubt just coming, you know, uh, throwing up a, a huge wall in front of us all the time. I've experienced some some doubt, and I, I figured out why. Um, even with my, you know, experiencing the host of heaven that I know are all around us, uh, always, and you know, um, I think uh, I believe that our doubts are caused because uh, of fear of intimacy, of uh, yeah, of like um, our ego trying to maintain control, mm -hmm. you know. And so we're like making up excuses to not believe sometimes, you know, um, when the truth is, is really simple and for us and it's love. You're right. Uh, it's those two things, fear yeah. and ego. And ego produces the fear to prevent us from the ego dissolution. The ego, the false yes. self wants to stay in charge because it fears con being consumed. Yes. Because if, if the false self is consumed, it thinks that there's going to be nothing left. But that's not true because the false self isn't real in the first place. And when it's dissolved, what's left is the truer self. And, 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 and whenever I'm out of my body in the realm of, the, of heaven or uh, in a realm of a heaven, um, that is always true. That the Peter who I perceive to be me here is a shell that I leave behind. And I remember... Oh, this is who I am. How did I forget? Yeah. You know, I even woke up this morning with just this sense of sweetness and innocence and bliss, you know, just to face the day. And then, and then a negative thought and an accusing thought kind of came into my mind. I'm like, oh, I see what you're trying, ego, you know, <laughs> this sort of thing to kind of, um, you know, 
I actually once experienced the love of God so powerfully. I mean, I was, I was just kept growing and growing and growing. And it was like this infinite love. And I freaked out. I'm like, if I experience one more drop, I'm going to explode until a billion pieces, you know? And, and shatter. Yeah, and shatter. And, and I actually have heard a near-death experience story that a lady, she actually experienced that. And she did shatter. <laughs> but... God put her all back together again. And when she came back, interestingly, uh, she, it didn't, Christianity, she couldn't fit there. And she ended up, uh, I believe it was Taoism. And interestingly, oh, I love the Taoism. Interestingly, guess what? I've been studying this, this New Testament translation by David Bentley Hart. Um, and he, he doesn't translate logos. He's like, I just leave it as is, logos. That's how what I was gonna, you know, a lot of people translate it as the word and things. But he's like, he took a real close look at it and he said the closest um, definition that he could come up with, uh, closest idea that would that would encapsulate um, logos is Tao. Isn't that yeah. interesting? I I concur. I concur. Yeah. Um, wow. Yes, because the, the, the Tao that can be named is not the Tao. The logos that can be defined is not the logos. The, the, the word Yah, which we use Yahweh, as you probably know, has no okay. vowels. And uh, the YHWH, the, the Havye Vavye, which I know I'm slaughtering the Hebrew. <laughs> but um, but the, it's unpronounceable. It's uncomprehensible, which means it's incomprehensible. And, and the ego is uncomfortable with that which it cannot name. Yeah. And, you know, Adam, name all the animals, name all the things. You have the power to name things, but you can't name me. Yeah. Wow. And then he reveals himself as that, that Yahweh, you know, from the burning bush to, to Moses. And then, of course, Jesus arrives on the scene and says, before Abraham was born, I am. I am. I am. And I, the way I see it is like, it's expansive of everything. I, you know, I am everything, basically. All pan, encapsulating. I pan, am consciousness. Pantheism. Panentheism. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. all part of Elohim. That's know? all part of it. And that's why he says, you are Elohim. I say, you are Elohim. You know, all of you. You are, are the, the you are the light of the world. Yeah. John, in a Gospel of John, the light is coming into the world. And everybody looks at Jesus, and what does he do? He says, no, nah, you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's remarkable and wonderful. And, 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 and heretical. <laughs> Anti-doctrinal. <laughs> well, they, they would tar and feather us and burn us at the stake, you know, a uh, uh, hundred-something years ago. But I think we're in a season of awakening where people are like, they're getting this. I'm not getting a whole lot of attack, actually. Um, nobody's coming after me. <laughs> I'm uh, like, I, I, I do. I, I, get, I get plenty of, you ever see the, the painting of St. Sebastian? He's got all these arrows in him. Yeah. It's a, and I know that's not what that painting's about, okay? But it's, I, I get attacked a lot. But I delete them. Yeah. I decided, I learned this. Here's a lesson for all you people from media land. I worked in television for a long time. And the word in TV is, uh, don't read the bad press and delete it. So don't feed the trolls. Uh, and don't try to engage with them in conversation because that's not what they're there for. So I've got one video. It's got, it's my book trailer. It's got a lot, it has a lot of views. Yeah. And uh, anytime anybody's in like 
oh, he's leading all those people to hell. It says this literally and that literally. I don't even try to engage with them. I just yeah. block them. Yeah, that's that's what I've been doing too, but I haven't been too many trolls yet. <laughs> Okay. Well, well, you're known by your enemies. You'll, you'll get your enemies will find you. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and that's you'll true. love them. You'll love them anyway. You know, if Jesus is the Word, the living Word, right? He's the the logos, the Tao, if you want to say it that way. The way, um, you know, then then Jesus Christ is perfect theology, and and. Oh yeah, we can be in relationship with him, and you know what? I don't. I'm not. I'm gonna say I know him. Uh, he 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 knows his own theology. I can just be in relationship with the one who is perfect theology, and I'll get squared away in the end. Salvation is not a matter of signing your name to the most perfectly crafted creed. You know, salvation. No, is no, something it's it's not. Jesus has already done for everyone. You know, he's a perfect lifeguard. He doesn't not save any single one of his. Uh, drowning children, no matter how confused and mixed up they are. Yeah, he throws it, throwing lead sink, lead uh, life preservers to some people here. Catch. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Um, I was thinking today about our foundation being in Jesus Christ, because sometimes, honestly, I don't know how much of it is that we're making stuff up, making stuff up as as far as spiritual experiences. We try to put things into grids and frameworks. Of understanding and I think we confuse facts with truth. Truth can be found in fiction. You know, that's what I that's what I sent to him. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Yeah. We're just consciousness at play. It's God exploring God in a sense and creating and and living and loving well and doing something with our talents, right? As Jesus would say in a parable. And that gets back to what you were saying earlier before about um, what's my purpose was what you were meaning. What's my purpose today? What am I going to do today? And really the answer to that is do whatever you want, uh, but keep your eye on me. Make you make align your will with mine and then do what you will. Love God first and do what you will. Uh, and I think that that's really, that's really the meaning of it all. God's not really interested whether I'm writing a book or whether I'm raking the yard. God's interested whether my heart is turned to the oneness of being. And, and if, the, if it's turned to the oneness of being, then that comes through with my raking in my writing. And whatever I produce comes through the connection that I have if I'm polishing apples or eating them. It doesn't really matter. Um, what matters is the connection, which is why going inwardly matters more than anything else. Um, seeking heaven before all things. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and even uh, the Lord's Prayer, you know, um, that's what it just reminded me of. It's like praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, th and th on this earth, this, this, this thing, me, mm -hmm. that's the earth. Yeah. Yeah, we're of the earth, Jesus said. He was from above. And he's brought us there, though. I would love to hear about your second near-death experience, because I, I know nothing about it, and, and I'm thinking people would be intrigued to hear something more about that. All right, I um, but it was telling my wife for the whole of my marriage that I was unafraid of death, mm -hmm. and that the first chance I got to go home legitimately without taking my own life, I was doing it. Hmm. And so I have a 
family issue in my, with my heart. Uh, my sister died of a heart attack. My dad would have, but they life-lighted him and shot him up with a decoagulant in the early 80s, experimental. And so when my turn came, I'd run 5K the day before, and I was in yoga class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got the yoga class late because I had other plans, and they didn't work out, so I dashed to the class. Saturday morning, pa- place is packed. It's a, I live in a summer, t- a summer resort town, so the, you know, their population quadruples. And so I got there, and the teacher was a friend of mine, said, set up in the doorway. I set up in the doorway. It's a hot yoga class. I'm not a fan because my, my uh, prana rises as a result of my practice. I don't need a hot room to get hot. Mm-hmm. And so I started getting hot, and I was like, geez, I'm really hot. I've been there like two minutes. I don't feel well. So I lay down on my mat. I'm just sweating profusely. And I'm thinking, I, I, I'll just take a break here. It must be the heat of the day. And I thought, no, let's see. Take a body inventory. My heart hurts. My shoulder hurts. I'm sweating profusely. I'm having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, but it's probably a mild one. I ran 5K yesterday. So I got up off my mat and I went outside, which is right outside the door. And I lay down on the green grass. And to, and I cool to cool down in the shade, and after a couple of minutes, it got worse and worse and worse. And I decided, oh, this is this is a bad. Uh, this is a this is a real heart attack. Uh, I got to get to the uh, emergency room, uh, urgent care center. So I I leaned to sit up, and I could. And so, a little while later, the yoga teacher comes out. And she says, Peter, you know, are you okay? I said, No, uh, Romy, I'm having a heart attack. And she said, No. Oh, Look at you. How could you possibly have an heart attack? Um, and I said, no, Romy, I'm having a heart attack right now, and I need to get to the urgent care because I'm going to die. And she's like, whoa. So got one of the women who's a friend of mine out of the class. She drives me to the urgent care. We get there. Uh, they do their tests. I know everybody in the room because it's a small town. I know all the nurses, and I'm acquainted with the doc. And he's like, you got you know, we, we took a look. You got 100% blockage in your Widowmaker. Uh, we're going to, which is a, a, on the outside of the heart. Um, and we, we can give you a decoagulant, give you a 3% trickle through, but then it's an hour and a half drive to the hospital, to the cath lab and heart attacks. You get a golden hour. And I was, by this time I was already into the end of my golden hour by the time mm-hmm. I get, get the, the decoagulant. So it gives me the decoagulant offers me opiates. I can't take opiates. They make me nauseous. So I decide that I'm going to meditate through my pain on the hour and a half ride to main, main medical center. One of the things about meditation is that you can, in your practice, if you stare at your pain, if you practice staring at your pain, you separate from your pain. Hmm. So you, it still hurts, but you don't feel it. You're above it. You can look at it works every time and so i've been practicing that forever so they load me on the gurney they start to pull me out my son shows up he's 23 my wife's there uh my son leans over and grabs my hand squeezes looks me in the eye and says i love you dad come to find out later the doc told him to say goodbye because doc is like he's gonna die on the way it's too far he's not gonna make it Mm -hmm. and so my son was saying goodbye my wife's there kind of teary i look up at her and i'm like I'm going home <laughs> and I, I wink at her and I, and I know she's going to be okay. Cause we talked about it. Um, and so they ran, they, they wheel me out and off we go. And on the way I am meditating to control my pain. And I hear the paramedic radio in 
you know, we're losing him. And um, I open up my eyes and I look at her and I close my eyes. And when I close my eyes, I'm outside of my body. I've been pulled out of my body by the approaching angel of death, metaphoric, mm-hmm. like a super intelligence that I know because I've met before. And this time I'm not in resistance. This time I'm, hey, hey, brother, um, I'm on my way. I get to go. I'm, I want to go. I'm going to be taken. The voice is saying, I love you. I made you come home to me. It's your time. Welcome. Come with us. Come with us. It's time to go. And so I, I go. And now I'm being carried up the dark tunnel. Um, but now I'm going very slowly. And I'm thinking to myself as I go, this is because I'm totally now this time I already know what's going on. Last time, the first time I had no idea what was going on. This time I'm paying attention. And I'm thinking to myself, well, well, well this is taking a while. Let me let me wait a minute. Let me think about this for a minute. I got my 23 year old son. I got my daughter who just left a bad marriage. Her, her young husband went off to Afghanistan. Terrible things came to him. Moral injury, serious post-traumatic stress, terrible things he brought home. They just left, he, he, she had just had a baby. She had just left him. And, and I'm thinking to myself, well, my son needs me still. My granddaughter really needs me. She's not going to have a father now. My daughter is going to leave this guy and she doesn't have a job. She, how can I go? How can I possibly go now? I can't go now. I'm needed here. So I swing my, my single eye back up to the angel who had receded and came rushing down back toward me again to welcome me home. And I just turned away and went back into my body again. And so my journey the second time was much shorter of same angel of death, same choice I made before was to come back for the sake of others, um, knowing that the length of my life is a wink of an eye. And so then I woke up, you know, and now I'm, now I'm, what years is five years after it. Mm-hmm. And I'm still kind of adjusting to being here again because, you know, my timeline was ending. My timeline ended. I chose to come back and I impacted the future timeline Um, and my timeline was over. And so everybody else's wasn't mine was. And so I've been trying to negotiate the physical world um, around that. And what I mean by that is, is that um, at the very same time this was happening when I was in the hospital, my second book came out about my near-death experience, Heaven is Beautiful. It came out when I was in the hospital. And within a, a month, my TV show that I'd had for 15 years got canceled. And my profession was over. And, and now here I am unemployed and having died again. And had I died... And I stayed dead. It would have been great for the TV station. They're like, no offense to them, but you know, the show was over. Well, it wouldn't have made a difference to them because the show was over, but it would have made a difference to me because it, I wouldn't have known that it was over. Is that mm-hmm. kind of making sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's some of the, the mental, mental suffering uh, that's caused by being in this very dense reality where there is a lot of cruelty at times. Uh, and judgments, oh my gosh, tons of judgments, and you know, and you, you being the recipient of other people's judgments, and then having, yeah, feeling having to deal with working out your own judgments too. Like, um, I, 
Yes and no for me for that. Yeah, I would um, say that from your position, you probably don't deal with a whole lot of judging others anymore. I don't deal with a whole lot of judging others anymore. That's great. Um, it's troublesome sometimes, gets me into trouble. Um, but because I accept everybody for what they are, which is an orb of light, even if they don't know it. I mean, I see that. I, I, I feel it from people. I, I, I perceive it with my whole of my sense. I came back with that single eye that I was before, I still am. And I see, I see the light with my, the radiance of my own being. Um, and sometimes with my eyes and sometimes with the feeling that, that the, the aura around me. Um, so when you see it in everybody, and not everybody's living a good life, <laughs> even though they're made out of the light, it might not be the right person for you to be interacting with. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and you said about being an eye, you know, I love that because like that's kind of what I was given a tour of in my vision about six months ago. I it was the living creature full of eyes. I was shown that each soul is like an eye in 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 they have portals to their own matrix of experience, you know, and they're all, they're all like cells in a body, you know, and it's the body of Christ, ultimately, him being the head. And I, and I like, and I, and I don't like, here's what I would, I would say. I don't like separating Jesus from the person of Christ. Like Jesus so embodied Christ. Jesus was the personification of Christ so completely. Like to me, they're like indistinguishable here here <laughs> yeah and i've i've experienced him him there you know and I, he was the first person i met in my vision he came to me with a big smile on his face and in a way that was comprehensible to you given your experience in the world i think that god always meets us where we are yeah god and and, and that's the most compassionate thing that's possible for us and so that we are presented with the face of God that most resonates with us and gives us the most comfort. Um. Hmm. Yeah. And then he, I get, by the way, you're speaking about comfortable. Like I, at first I was curious about like the throne room. Cause I'm like, and I'm seeing something of it. I'm like, ah, oh, this is too much for me. I'm not comfortable here right now. You know, and Jesus is like, okay, I know where, I know what you need. I know what you'd like. So he introduced me to the host of heaven, kind of put, uh, some of these spirit guides uh, to coach me, you know, to, to teach me. He appointed one of, to, one of them to teach me. And I said, but I, but Jesus, I mean, didn't you say I have one teacher, the Christ? And he's like, Daniel, don't you know, like I inhabit this one. He actually literally. Uh, yeah. Me. I am I all these things. Yeah. I, I am everything, which yeah. is exactly what I was trying to say before. So, and whenever, when an angel speaks to us, it sounds like it's the voice of the angel, but it's really, the voice of God speaking through the angel. It's when, when, when someone meets their great aunt when they die, it's their great aunt, but it's also the presence of God through their great aunt. When uh, it's always that. Yeah. Because God is in everything. And in the other realm, it's more perceivable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love interacting and experiencing the other realm. I love some of what we talked about already, uh, just your spiritual practices, you know, yoga. Hey, it's great physically, stretches your body and, and I think can open it up spiritually. Can. What are some of the, yeah, can. If the focus is right, can the focus be not right and it being a very negative 
thing and experience. I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it's ever negative, and I think that the mere practice of yoga can encourage a spirituality. But if you add intent to your practice, well, then it opens it up in a whole new way. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. And then contemplative prayer. What was it like? Centering prayer is what you're centering. Centering prayer. It's a mashup of zazen meditation, prayer, TM, all that kind of stuff. It's all crushed into oh, centering prayer. I was feeling stressed out the other day and I'm just like, oh, what's my problem? I just need to get alone and, you know, just pray. Really. Is, I, Five I minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes a day. You don't have to like hours and hours if you can. Sure. But you don't have to. It's yeah. really about the lifelong accumulation. It's yeah. really the, if you practice every day for 30 years, for 10 minutes a day for 30 years, 10 times 365 times 30. You know, if you're going to do it out in math, that's a lot of time spent uh, polishing your lens. Yes. I love that. To see others the way the divine sees them as the eye. As the eye, and that comes as a natural result of being connected to heaven. So the deeper you go into the oneness of being, the clear, the more clear your vision becomes of the presence of the light in others because the light sees itself. Yeah. Well, that's exactly uh, and, what I've been praying for is to see others the way God sees them, you know? Yep. So that's really neat. Thank you for sharing about that. Thank you, Daniel, for interviewing me. And hello to all your guests. I'm, I'm at peterpanagor.love and uh, I'm pretty accessible. Wonderful. Wonderful. And we can check out your books there. And I'm going to have a link in the description below for your, your trailer for your book mm-hmm. and uh, other places people can find you. So great. We'll, Thanks. Uh, we'll, we'll talk again sometime too. I'd like that, Daniel. And before we go, I'd like to say that it's only always about the divine. It's never about the individual because the light sees itself. And so everything we do is to bring more light into the world, you and I and everyone.